0: John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. Episode number 38, July 10th. Back from a week-long vacation. Went back to New York. Saw the family, played in the pool, saw my nephew, saw friends, obviously. Got a little sunburnt, grew a mustache, as you can tell on YouTube or TikTok if you're watching. And yeah, pretty much enjoyed it, relaxed, took it easy, but now we're back in the grind. So, with that being said, we got episode number 38 on July 10th. And we're going to do a little bit of this date in history. On July 10th, 1890... Wyoming was admitted to the Union as the 44th state. Wyoming is known as the Equality State, as it was the first state to grant women the right to vote in 1869, which was a landmark event in the history of women's rights in the United States. Fun fact about the number 38. The number 38 is an even number, and it's the ninth distinct semi-prime number. A semi-prime number is a natural number that is the product of exactly two prime numbers. 38 is the product of 2 and 19 how do these connect right let's make a connection here while wyoming was the 44th state admitted to the union it played a significant role as the first state to allow women to vote This happened in 1869, a pioneering step toward gender equality and voting rights. If we take the year women gained voting rights in Wyoming, 1869, and add the digits to the number 38 to the last two digits, 69, we get 1869 plus 6 plus 9 plus 3 plus 8 equals 1895. Interestingly, 1895 is the year when Utah, another state that early embraced women's suffrage, had its women's voting rights reinstated after they had. Had been previously rescinded by the u.s congress in the late 19th century so the number 38 when combined with the pivotal year of 1869 in wyoming's history takes us to another important year in history of women's suffrage in the united states while this connection a little bit of a stretch it helps us remember these two crucial dates in the history of women's voting rights in the u.s and the pioneering role that states like wyoming and utah played in this movement the more you know so like i said i was home had a good time watched a lot of movies when i'm home because i don't bring my xbox or my computer i have my laptop and ipad but i use the time a lot to catch up on movies because i don't really have anything to do when i'm home other than just go in the pool relax hang out with friends so a movie that was on my radar for a while Uh, i believe it came out of the movie theater maybe it's in the movie theater now but anyway we bootlegged that fucking thing and um if you guys want to know the bootleg website, don't, feel free to message me and I'll give it to you. Give it to everybody. The prices at these movie theaters is a fucking joke. But anyway, back to my original point. Movie I got into, been waiting to see it for a while. Uh, the movie Nefarious, starring Sean Patrick Flannery, Jordan Belfi, Glenn Beck makes an appearance. I always thought Glenn Beck... I've, I really thought Glenn Beck has been dead for a while. I thought we lost him. I know we lost Rush Limbaugh and... Those two can probably be interchanged with the message they're trying to send. But I legit thought Glenn Beck was dead until I saw him in this movie. He only has a small role and he plays Glenn Beck in the movie. So there's that. But there's, not a, there's other actors in this movie, but for the most part, it's just these two characters sitting in a jail common room area, while one of them's chained to a desk, and the other one's a psychologist. So for the storyline in this movie, we got a notorious serial killer, Edward Brady, is facing execution at 11 p.m. Dr. James Martin is brought in to replace Dr. Alan Fisher, who committed suicide after interviewing Edward. Edward's fate now depends on Martin's diagnosis. If Martin decides that Edward is sane, he will be executed. But if he declares him to be insane... Edward will be the spared. Edward will be spared. I don't know why I wrote the in there. Edward claims that he is possessed by a demon named Nefariamus, and also says that Martin will commit three murders by the day's end. Martin initially dismisses Edward's claims, but as the demon's knowledge of Martin's life proves uncannily and disturbingly accurate, Martin's skepticism begins to fade. The weight of Nefarious's claims both frighten him and fill him with self-doubt. With Edward's fate hanging in the balance, Martin must make a fateful decision based 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 on his professional diagnosis while grappling with his personal feelings of fear and disgust and the conflict of interest they create. So basically, Edward Brady, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, chained to a desk the whole time. He's got a weird accent. It takes a little bit getting used to. He speaks very, I can't even imitate, it's, he's from Oklahoma. I know people from Oklahoma, they don't speak like that. He's got to be from like the pan, that handle, the meth handle of Oklahoma. But I think Sean Patrick Flannery is also really Irish. So I think it was, it was tough for him to do an Oklahoman accent. And then Dr. James Martin is like the cocky, sexy psychiatrist or psychologist that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm the best ever and I'll come in here. This will be easy work type of thing. And then, sure enough, shit starts hitting the fan a little bit here and there, and uh, they get into it. So so the movie starts off, a psychiatrist named Dr. Alan Fisher nervously moves around his office after writing his will. He commits suicide by jumping off the building's roof. Opening scene. It's like the first two minutes. And then it flashes over to a state penitentiary where Fisher's protege, psychiatrist Dr. James Martin, Jordan Belfie in this case, arrives to interview a notorious cel- serial killer, and death row inmate named Edward. Before meeting Edward, Martin meets Warden Tom Moss, revealing that Fisher had been evaluating Edward just before his suicide. Edward is is scheduled to die die by electrocution, which is a method he chose by himself in this movie that they explain a little later, that very day. Moss says Edward's fate depends upon Martin's diagnosis. If Martin declares Edward sane, he will be executed. But if he is declared insane, as Fisher believed, Edward will be spared. So, here comes the big meeting, right? Martin meets Edward, who is confident and knows so much information about Martin that it leaves him at a loss. Edward insists that he is not a human, but a demon inhabiting Edward's body named Nefariamus, a name Satan gave him, Nefarious for short. Martin does not believe Nefarious is who he says he is, and thinks instead that this is an act by Edward to seem insane. However, he is surprised when Nefarious insists that he wants to be executed, or rather that he wants Edward to be executed. Nefarious also declares that before the day is over, Martin will commit three murders. Martin, the psychologist, proclaims to be an atheist and balks at this idea which annoys Nefarious who calls him a pompous sack of meat, believing that he is safe only because he thinks such things as demons don't exist. Martin plays along asking Nefarious how he came to inhabit Edward. Nefarious explains that he began tempting Edward from a young age to commit small sins before communicating with him through a Ouija board Edward received for Christmas. This is the kind of shit my mom says happens. Nefarious possessed Edward's body only after Edward consented to the possession multiple times martin brings in a chaplain to confront the demon in edward which frightens nefarious until he realizes that the priest does not believe in demons and therefore has no effect on him martin then asks edward asks to talk to edward causing nefarious to recede and produce a timid childlike edward who is terribly distraught and shaken by his possession this is the kind of part that scared the shit out of me edwards edward insists that he is possessed and that the demon has murdered multiple people using his innocent body as a vessel When Martin begins probing further, Nefarious takes control and insists that Martin murdered his mother. Shocked that Nefarious knows this, Martin insists that his mother was dying of a terminal illness and was euthanized after a difficult decision on his behalf. There goes Brady again. When Nefarious infers that Martin euthanized her to acquire her massive wealth, Martin becomes angry and threatens to leave the meeting but changes his mind. Nefarious explains he is mentally training Martin for an endeavor he wants Martin to do and that he mentally tortured Stuart, driving him to take his own life so as to select Martin for this job. Whenever you're done, Brady. Whenever you're done, man. We're going to roll with it. <sighs> when Martin continues to be doubtful of Nefarious, the demon explains that he knows Martin's girlfriend is pregnant and that because of Martin's threats to break up with her to avoid fatherhood, she is terminating her pregnancy. Nefarious explains that Martin can save his son with a simple phone call within the limited within the limited amount of time, but Martin refuses thinking nefarious is bluffing while also insisting that such a thing in his girlfriend's choice to make. Such a thing is his girlfriend's choice to make. I'm sorry, Brady. He's got that thing going. It's rattled me. I'm rattled. However, overcome with curiosity, Martin begs a kind prison guard for access to a phone, which he uses to call the women's health clinic. Upon calling, he realizes his girlfriend has just finished with the abortion. Nefarious cackles with glee, explaining to Martin that all hell is rejoicing at this point. Prison guard asks Edward what He wants for a final meal before execution which Edward gives specific directions for simple burger, fries, and a milkshake, only to have Nefarious resume control and tell the guard to retract that order. This part freaked me out, and it made me fucking sad for the guy, because he was like, every time Nefarious goes away and this guy comes back out, he's like shaken up, he's nervous, he's crying, and he asked for burger, fries, and a chocolate shake, and he's like, please don't mess this up, and the guard's like, I got you, and then nefarious takes over and he's like cancel that order chief and you're like damn that's gonna suck i don't know that one hit me in the feels for some reason because that burger and fries sounded fucking sweet martin is now interested in what nefarious has to tell him nefarious explains the war in heaven from his point of view saying that the demons rebelled in order to avoid an eternity of slavery and that they have been prospering in this world He also explains that he chose death by electric chair because it was the most excruciating and painful death available and would be a parting gift before Edward's soul leaves and goes to hell for eternity of more torment. Martin insists that the world is reclaiming the moral high ground by allowing all kinds of rights and freedoms, which Nefarious laughs at before revealing to him the truth about such freedoms, including a decline in education and the resurgence of slavery and sex trafficking, which the demons helped the elite to manage behind closed doors. Martin begins pitying Edward slash Nefarious and almost writes him off as insane to which Nefarious tells him to redact. Martin is genuinely confused as to which Nefarious is until Edward breaks through, begging Martin to help him. However, before he can tell Martin how to help him, Nefarious takes control again and punishes Edward by breaking one of his fingers before resetting it at Martin's insistence. Nefarious then explains the endeavor he wants Martin to do for him is to write a book called The Dark Gospel which is his satanic equivalent to the bible and will begin another world religion this one in servitude to demons nefarious then lets martin in on a closely guarded secret that more people are currently going to hell than to heaven martin is called away by warden moss who reveals to him that upon searching edward's prison cell they found documentation of martin's life as nefarious had done with all his other victims as well as the dark gospel which edward already wrote crediting it to martin's name moss encourages martin to condemn edward insisting that he that if he is spared he will probably go after martin martin still believing edward is faking confronts nefarious about the dossier on himself and manuscript nefarious breaks his hand to slip free of one of the handcuffs and seizes martin threatening to break his neck unless martin begs for his life overcome with terror martin begs nefarious to spare him to which nefarious complies He is beaten by the prison guards. In the heat of the moment, Martin declares that Edward is sane, excuse me, but not before being warned about a triumphant nefarious, that he is condemning Edward to death. Edward's head is now shaved, and he is led to the electric chair. As Martin uneasily sits with the families of nefarious' victims to witness the execution, he is complimented by the detective who spent six years pursuing Edward before capturing him. However, Martin is unsure whether he made the right decision. Remembering the three murders, nefarious told him he would commit which he surmises was his mother, his son, and now Edward. Before the execution, Edward pleads with Martin to tell the truth about the demonic possession, but Martin is unsure. Before the switch is pulled, Nefarious takes control of Edward's body for a final time, asking if Martin accepts his offer, to which Martin silently refuses. Disappointed, Nefarious quotes "Many tecel upsarin," which translates to "You have been measured in the scale and found wanting." Before leaving Edward's body, causing Edward to suffer an extremely painful and terrible death in the electric chair, the demon then tells Martin, "You should have accepted my offer before possessing him." Martin, under Nefarious' influence now, grabs the detective's gun and holds all the witnesses at gunpoint. Martin then realizes that the three murders he would commit that day were instead of his son, Edward, and now himself. Nefarious forces Martin to accept suicide, but Martin spontaneously prays to God for help, and then the gun misfires. Nefarious lets go of Martin as he faints into the arms of the guards. Fast forward one year later, a visibly changed Martin is shown promoting Nefarious's book, not as a dark gospel, but as a rewritten cautionary tale for people to read and realize the demonic influence in society. Despite insisting he is still an atheist, he reveals he has undergone many changes. On his way home, Martin sees a homeless woman rummaging through a dumpster, He gives her some money and she takes it before saying hello, James, in Nefarious's voice, implying that she is Nefarious's new host. The screen fades to black while Nefarious's hideous laughter is heard in the background. Roll credits. So, a lot going on there. Again, there were some parts in the movie that were awfully creepy. So, the dialogue in between Martin and Nefarious regime or edward is it's not even heated until mostly towards the end like their last little meeting when nefarious puts him in a headlock and threatens to choke him out or break his neck uh so if i had to criticize the movie i would say sitting in the jail cell the whole time while those two talk is i wouldn't say it's bad it tells the entire story but that's where the entire story mostly is you don't really see too much outside of that room And the creepy parts were when Edward comes out and Nefarious goes away. And you can see that Edward's like a broken man. Like he does not want to do any of this stuff. He's apologetic. He's, Obviously, sad. He says it a couple times like he's being controlled, not in like a pleading way. Like he knows he's fucked, but he knows that he can't really get out of this situation. He has no control over it. Like it's over. And he's like just broken and he's crying. And then, like I said earlier with the meal, like he orders it and you can tell like he knows that Neferis is going to cancel it. He knows like it's just not going to go his way. And then, sure enough, Neferis does cancel it. And they left out this part in the synopsis, but while he got his head shaved, and he's waiting in like the cell before going to the electric chair. It's Edward by himself and he's crying. He's shaking. He's obviously distraught. And he asks the guard where his meal is. And the guard's like, bro, you canceled it. And he's like, no, he's like crying. He's like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And then Nefarious comes back and he's like, fuck off to the guard, basically. For some reason, that part like made me upset. Cause I was like, man, this guy's like clearly like upset and he's being possessed like they sean patrick flannery did a really good job of doing it of letting you know when nefarious was in charge and when edward was in charge like it was two different people but not like jim carrey in me myself and irene it wasn't like comedic or anything like you just it was two different people but you kind of had a feeling for both of them when nefarious was there or when edward was there but dr james martin the psychiatrist again cocky kind of looked like a Kind of had Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men vibes, like the arrogant, handsome dude that knows everything and no one can tell him what to do. And then obviously he gets his world shattered by talking to a demon for like six straight hours. And it goes on from there. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. It got six and 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. I think it was a good storytelling of a movie. It wasn't... I wouldn't say it was a horror movie. It didn't scare you. It wasn't jump scares. It wasn't anything like that. Maybe once or twice they did a little jump into you. You know, get your nerves going. But for the most part, it was just... It- I would describe it as a psychological thriller. Where like the whole time you're like, this guy full of shit. Is he not? This is creepy. What's going on? And it did get a little heavy-handed with it got like they were talking about abortion and how that's demonic. And then like the human trafficking part of it, like how that's demonic. And it was kind of like it was playing to a crowd at that point where like you didn't have to mention it the way they did. They kind of just like overemphasized that part. So you can kind of maybe tell that the director or the writer is probably pro-life. And, you know, he probably leans that way in real life. So they kind of threw it in there as like, well, abortions, well, back in the day when we used to sacrifice children, it's the same thing you're doing now with abortions. There's no difference between what we did back then and what you're doing now. So abortions are the devil's work. And it's like, eh, I wouldn't go that far. But they did shit like that a little bit where it got a little too, you, could, you can kind of look through the veil peek through the veil to be like, what's the message they're trying to get across? But it was fucking creepy. And then at the end, Glenn Beck makes a fucking appearance and that's where he's promoting the book. And I legit, because I was watching with my brother, I was like, that Glenn Beck? He's like, yeah. I was like, when was this movie made? It was like made in like two thousand. 21 came out in 2023 or 22 like he's still alive he's like yeah he's like did you think he was dead and i'm like i thought he was fucking dead i don't know i don't follow glenn beck that often but i thought he was dead i thought he died and then he's like i think you're thinking of rush limbaugh but um sean patrick flannery he's from boondock saints he was a lot younger in boondock saints so if you go back and watch it you probably Probably won't even know which one he is in the movie, but he did a great job as being nefarious and then being Edward and kind of bouncing back and forth at different times throughout the movie. If I had to give it a rating out of 10, I would say for a psychological thriller, it was up there in the 8, 8.5. The scariest movie I've seen so far in a long time has been Hereditary, Hereditary which I think is on HBO or Max now. That movie scared the shit out of me for a while. It's an Ari Aster vehicle. He also wrote um, Midsummer, and there's a new movie out with him now, Bo is Afraid, which I haven't got around to yet. But his movies are always, they're not scary, as in like, there's something in my room scary. It just leaves you with like an uneasy feeling. That's, some of this stuff could go on. You would never really know it because it's such a specific event. But it's not like the jump scare shit, like Paranormal Activity, where like, you know, the... the Closet door shuts, slams shut, and like the shit moving around the house. It's not like that. This is more like it kind of rattles your brain around a little bit to be like, wait a minute, this is fucking terrifying if this happened to me it kind of puts you in that situation so yeah eight eight and a half hereditary is at like a 10 9.8 i'd say midsummer is also in the eight to eight and a half range um depending how you like scary movies so this one's right up there uh with with horror i'm more i like the horror genre um for comparison there's a movie on max 2, the devil within the devil inside the evil within i think it's called the movie sucked it was just gory jump scare demons with weird voices possessing people and killing each other and i was like oh well this is more of just like a scary movie they don't really do it for me these kind of these kind of movies nefarious uh hereditary midsummer these ones are the ones that get me like i'm hooked i'm watching it i'm involved shit like that so it is on max Or Nefarious is not on Max. You have to rent it on Amazon or buy it on Amazon. It's like $20, $25. But if you guys want to message me, I can give you the old backdoor on how to watch it for free or watch anything basically for free. So that's going to wrap up this movie review. Uh, We'll get into it. I got a lot of movies on deck I want to get into. But we're going to leave on the last note, which would be a thought-provoking ethical question. How about that? From ChatGPT, the random question of the day. It said, do you believe in the concept of the greater good? Is it ethical to harm a smaller number of people to benefit the larger group? Why or why not? I would say it is if you're trying to minimize the hurt to the small group kind of thing. It's like the the train going... It's like the picture, the diagram of the train going down the tracks. And if you switch the rail and it goes around, it's going to kill one person and save five if it stays on the main rail, shit like that. So if it's for the greater good, I like to believe that not that you should do it, but if it's helping the greater good, then yes... However, try to avoid it as much as you can. It's kind of like if one person gets sick, but their sickness gives us a cure, then, then their sickness was worth it. So I don't know. A lot to think about there. Kind of a random question from ChatGPT on that one. It could go either way. It could go whichever way you uh you lean on that one. But I would say if it's helping the greater good, then yes. But let's minimize how many people are going to get hurt in this situation. So we're going to leave it there. We're going to wrap this baby up. Again, easiest way to support this whole thing. Like, share, retweet. If you're on threads, rethread. I think it's called or whatever the fuck. Um, Share it on Facebook. Like it on TikTok. Comment. We hit our highest clip on tiktok yesterday that was from doing the torture edward snowden usa patriot act uh report that was a long episode 50 minutes long it was crazy but i think it was really good people that have listened to it like, yo that was actually really in depth it wasn't just you giving your opinion and yammering on like you were giving the facts you were giving all this shit you drew a big picture so i was really proud of yesterday's we got over 750 views or likes on tiktok yesterday had people in the comments going back and forth. So it's always good. Uh, We're going to be pumping some of these out, get back into the groove of everything, and uh, appreciate you guys listening. So we'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully everyone's a good night. Home Run Derby tonight. I don't even know who's in it because the Home Run Derby kind of sucks now, but we'll see.